St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians 6 12-20. Brethren, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food, and God will destroy both one and the other. The body is not meant for immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I therefore take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For, as it is written, the two shall become one flesh. But he who is united to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Shun immorality. Every other sin which a man commits is outside the body, but the immoral man sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God? You are not your own, you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit which belong to God. Dash dash dash. It has been the position of the historic Christian Church, since its beginning, that the Christian faith is summarized as love God and love your neighbor. This simple summary is built on the premise that since the resurrection, mankind has moved from a childlike state, as typified in the nation of Israel, to a state of maturity and with it the freedom to act as the pinnacle of creation, loving God and loving neighbor. The idea is that with the transition from childishness to maturity comes the responsibility to freely act. In the epistle reading, Paul takes that simple premise given to us by Jesus Christ and he expands and explains it with some very deliberate examples. He begins with a very broad, general statement, Brethren, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Paul is speaking as a Jew who understands that the people of God have moved out from under the bondage of the old covenant law and have moved into the freedom of Christ. As the mature people of God, it is now our right and responsibility to freely act. But with that freedom comes the requirement to think clearly. As Paul clearly states, we are free to do anything but those things we choose to do must be built upon love for God and love for neighbor. And he makes a very lucid point that, even though we are free to do anything, we cannot allow anything to have mastery over us. We have been brought back to the position of having dominion over the whole earth. This is true because of what Jesus accomplished by His death and resurrection. Paul begins with a very common issue, that of food. As we are no longer under the old covenant law with its strict dietary regulations, we are free to eat anything. Nothing is unclean. But at the same time, we must remain in control and not allow our stomachs to rule over us. This is true for all food situations, including gluttony, drunkenness, vanity and dieting. It's about having the right attitude about food. Satiating our stomachs is not the point. Providing energy so as to function is the point. Paul moves on to another extremely powerful passion, that of sexuality. It is interesting to note how Paul transitions from food to sex. He states, the body is not meant for immorality. He makes this comment immediately following his instruction about the role of food. He clearly identifies how we are to think of our bodies and to whom our bodies belong. Because we are part of the body of Christ, we must not think of ourselves as free to do whatever idea comes into mind. Because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, destroyed the power of sin and death and we died and rose with Him in baptism, we are no longer tied to the earthliness and depravity as sons of Adam. We are now part of the body of Christ. As Paul states, the body is not meant for immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And God raised the Lord and will also raise us up by His power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? In short, Stop thinking with an old covenant mindset, stop thinking like you are still part of the line of Adam, instead, remember that you are now of Christ and therefore a new man with greater aspirations than mere temporal, earthly prosperity.
Paul goes on to show how as part of the body of Christ, we are not free to act in whatever sexual manner we feel so inclined to follow. He shows some very interesting parallels between the sexual union of man and woman and the spiritual union between God and His people. In this discussion, Paul identifies that sexual union is more than mere sexual pleasure. It is, instead, a metaphysical union that creates a union between the two parties involved that fair transcends anything else. Interestingly, Paul warns his readers that the follower of Christ cannot be joined to a prostitute because he already belongs to and is connected to God. Those who are part of the body of Christ do not have the freedom to act out sexually. The sexual act is a union, the type of union that is actually sinful when it takes place with a prostitute. The idea here is not limited to forbiddance of prostitution but the forbiddance of sexual activity outside of the marriage relationship. While it is impossible to logically articulate what it is that takes place during sex, Paul makes it very clear that a deep, metaphysical union takes place and when taking place outside of marriage, is sinful. This is not simply a matter of here is an arbitrary rule for you to follow. Paul makes it very clear that this type of sin is actually a violation against one's own body. To use an extreme example, this is akin to warning someone not to jump out of an airplane without a parachute. To do so will be inevitably damaging to one's body. The church's direction about sexual activity is not built on prudish or arbitrary rules but on preservation and protection. The church directs us away from certain sexual activities because it is literally bad for us. Paul then closes his thoughts with a reminder to his readers of who they are. The follower of Christ is not his own. He has been bought by the sacrifice that Jesus made. Remembering that man was created to be loved by God and to freely love in return, we do not have the right to pursue anything that will harm us. We are not our own. The Gospel reading is particularly interesting, as Jesus tells a parable along the same lines. In the story, Jesus gives the parable of the prodigal son. In Luke 15:11-32, it reads, The Lord said this parable, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me and he divided his living between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took his journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property and loose living. And when he had spent everything, a great famine arose in that country, and he began to be in want. So he went and joined himself to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his belly with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was yet at a distance, his father saw him and had compassion, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and make merry, for this my son was dead, and is alive again, he was lost, and is found. And they began to make merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what this meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Lo, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your living with harlots, you killed for him the fatted calf. And he said to him, Son, 
you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to make merry and be glad, for this your brother was dead, and is alive, he was lost, and is found. This is a very well-known and straightforward story. The prodigal son eventually realizes the foolishness of his decisions and decides to return to his father, hoping that he can get on staff as a servant. He takes that which was given to him being a fully functioning and free adult, goes out into the world and blows all of his money on loose living. He took the freedom that he was given and acted in a way that almost destroyed him. But his father only sought to bring him back. When he finally came to his senses and returned, his father celebrated and threw a party. Probably the most interesting part about this story is the response of the older brother. He complains that the younger brother has acted so foolishly and when he returns, has a party thrown for him. In short, the older brother is angry that he always did what was right and his father never threw a party for him. The father clarifies the situation and we need to learn and understand his response. You have always been with me and everything I have is yours. The older brother has been free all along and has always had the right to do anything we would want to do. This is our story. When we are living in a faithful, loving relationship with God, we have the freedom to do anything we want, as long as it is built on love. The Christian life is not rules, it is not drudgery, it is not keep your nose to the grindstone and keep working. It should be joy, love and faithfulness, celebrating the freedom that we have been given because of Jesus Christ. It is as a Christian that true joy and freedom can be enjoyed.